Are you prepared for the earth to end? Are you watching for it? Are you expecting it? Uh, Jesus, this morning, as he answers uh, yet the question of the disciples, um, when he when he came out of the temple and they were looking at all the marvelous buildings around the temple and everything, and he gave them that uh, stark word that all of these things would go away. There wouldn't be left one stone upon another. And they were curious about that. They wondered, when will this take place? When will all these things be? And what will be the signs of the end? Jesus will give a, another answer to that. And we'll look at that this morning from uh, Mark chapter 13. We'll be reading from verses 24 through 31 as we see what Jesus now says to his disciples. Reading there, verse 24. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and powers, the powers in the heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. May God once again grant us wisdom as we uh, seek to discover what he says here about this. Uh, maybe you remember uh, as, a, as a kid, maybe, maybe not just as a kid, but you remember um, uh, expecting Christmas. Uh, what was it like when you were expecting uh, the, the calendar to switch and finally December 25 is here and you've been expecting that? What, what were you looking for? What would, what would draw your attention to the fact that Christmas is getting closer? Uh, in our world now, uh, you know it's uh, getting uh, somewhat closer because already... Uh, and I don't know how soon they started, but already here in October, uh, more than two months out, uh, there are Christmas things in the stores. Uh, some places maybe even start late September. So you know that it, it must be coming again because the stores are trying to prepare for it. Uh, on a day like this, you recognize that uh, we must be getting a little bit closer because all of those 80 and 90 and humid days uh, are are uh, behind us now and we wake up uh, in the 40s, uh, we top out in the 50s, uh, we begin to see the leaves changing color and you know, uh, as much as uh, some people didn't like me saying it this morning, that the next season you know is winter. Uh, so you know that with the changing the seasons brings us that much, that much closer to uh, Christmas here. And certainly as you would get near that day, there would probably be, as uh, many have had the tradition, uh, a tree up as you get really close 
you might see gifts underneath the tree. Now you know that day is close. Jesus is going to give us uh, a few general principles here uh, to begin to whet our appetite for what it will look like when we're looking for the fulfillment of all that the disciples have been asking about, when will the destruction of the temple be? When will the, the signs show us that the end is near, when the fulfillment of all things is about to happen? Jesus will give us a little bit of a glimpse into that. Uh, but you'll notice here that he doesn't go into great detail. He will leave a lot of that yet for his disciples. In our reading today, he says, but in those days, in those days, uh, Jesus is signaling uh, two significant turn of events. This is, this is in contrast to what he has been saying. Um, in the Greek there, the word but uh, would uh, signal that shift of thinking. Uh, in each of the answers that he's given along the way, um, he would give a little bit of a contrast. This one would stand in contrast to the rest of them. In those days, he says. And that's what we're trying to figure out. When are those days? Uh, the first one that he talks about, the first signaling of events, uh, draws our attention to the skies, uh, to the heavens. As we, as we look out, he said the, the sun will be dark and the moon won't give it light. its light. The stars will be falling from heaven. It sounds much like a... Uh, a cataclysmic event, and maybe you've seen uh, different movies or TV shows where they depict uh, the end of days. And uh, I don't know if I've ever seen one where it's this uh, bright, sunny fall day and the green grass and the leaves and the birds and everything. Uh, the day at the end uh, is always depicted, even in our culture today, as a dark and gloomy day. Uh, maybe you get that uh, sense of uh, of gloom and doom even when you see the skies uh, in times of storm like we saw again uh, this past Monday. Uh, even more startling than that is when you would see uh, the darkness and everything where it seems as if it's night, but it's, it's still noon. And it just makes you feel um, strange that darkness has come midday. Something is uh, so ominous uh, at the moment that that it seems as if uh, something has changed in the time. And Jesus gives us this picture of this uh, dark and gloomy day. This is not just uh, speaking about uh, what you should look for uh, in, the, in the weather around us. It, it may very well include these things. But Jesus is drawing our attention very specifically, and maybe not for us, but to his disciples very clearly to Old Testament, Old Testament apocalyptic uh, literature, uh, things that would talk about uh, the very end. Uh, here are a few of the things uh, that the disciples would have understood when, when Jesus talked about uh, the sun being darkened and the moon not giving its light and stars falling from heaven, this, this cosmic event that's going to happen, this is what they would have remembered. Ezekiel says in uh, chapter 32, uh, When I blot you out, I will cover the heavens and make their stars dark 
I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give its light. All the bright, bright lights of heaven uh, I will make dark over you and put darkness on your land, declares the Lord your God. Uh, Ezekiel there paints the exact same picture that Jesus now draws their attention to. Joel speaks of it. Joel 2 at verse 10, The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. Later in Joel, uh, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the uh, stars withdraw their shining. Twice in that same uh, short book, uh, Joel brings uh, his listeners to this idea of a day that's coming where darkness will be over the land. Amos speaks about it. And maybe you remember, uh, for those of us that have been uh, going through Scripture and, and uh, reviewing it here at night, uh, maybe you remember some of these passages where uh, there is this uh, sense of impending doom and judgment that's coming uh, over and over and over in the, in the uh, Old Testament. Amos says uh, in chapter 5 at verse 18, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! Why would you have the day of the, why would you have the day of the Lord come? It's, it is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion. This, this, is, this is such a, uh, a wonderful picture that uh, gives us as far as what, what would it look like uh, uh, this, this, this day, this day of impending doom. It, 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 as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. That's a bad day. Or went into the house and leaned on his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? Amos also paints this picture of a day that's coming uh, very different from what we would normally experience. Isaiah speaks of it. Uh, Isaiah 13.10 For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. This is more than just a uh, a picture of what to look for specifically in the heavens. There's something else that we ought to look for when Jesus is talking about these days where darkness uh, seems to rule the land and it seems to cover the earth. Uh, this is, if you would go back to every one of those that I just read, and there are others, if you would go back and read the context of every one of those things, they all speak about God's judgment. Every one of them. Sometimes it's specifically a, a judgment against the people of Israel or Judah. Sometimes it's more specific when it comes to um, which nation, uh, specifically Edom or specifically Egypt, specifically Babylon or Assyria, some of the, some of the nations that have been oppressing God's people, there would come a time where judgment would be coming to them. God will judge the wicked nations. Uh, especially in uh, Joel, the Joel 3 passage, uh, if you look at the context there, the setting in Joel 3 is one where God's judgment is on all the nations. This is going to be a time where the entire earth would be judged. And Jesus is drawing our attention back to that now in his day, when these days arrive, as Jesus is talking about, there will be this 
uh, global event of God's judgment. It is the the first thing that he draws our attention to. And he, and he contrasts that by the, the other things that he's already said. This is, this is not just uh, things that have always been and always uh, will carry on when he talks about uh, famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. Those things continue to exist in our world because they are a result of the fall. Those are not the signs. Those are the results of Uh, our world just being plunged and perpetuated in this evil state. It's not even as if he's saying when when that time of tribulation gets really bad, when distress on all people is so intense that you don't know what to do anymore. It's not even that, he says. Uh, This day, in those days, he says, after all of that, there will be something uh, global. And that, I believe, is what he's saying here in different ways in in our text. The sun and the moon will be darkened. So it doesn't matter on which side of the earth you are. It won't just happen in one area of the world. It's going to happen all over the world. The sun won't give its light, neither will the moon. And the stars won't be shining their light. A a global event happening at the same time. This is in uh, contrast to what either is a natural part of the fall or those that would perpetuate evil against God's people. These things that come uh, through mankind by way of uh, evil and the evil one that exists with his uh, demons in this world, uh, they are doing those things. This one, he says, is different. This is something that God will do. This is something that is not going to be normal and natural, nor will it be a place of rebellion. This will be God's doing. This will be much different. This, the second thing that uh, Jesus is signaling to us here is uh, also in stark contrast, um, Jesus begins to answer that question finally as far as when will these things be? Uh, at verse 26 in our reading today, uh, he said, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This is an event that the world has been uh, waiting for in many ways uh, since the days of, of the Israelites when, when God would meet with them, would travel with them. Uh, this idea of uh, Jesus coming in the clouds is a very representative of uh, the power and the presence and the glory of God. You see that in the, the days of the tabernacle where um, in Exodus... Um, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by a pillar of fire at night. Uh, and in later in Exodus 33, when Moses entered the tent, the tent of tabernacle, uh, the Lord would meet with him there. The pillar of cloud would descend and the Lord would speak with Moses. Uh, the coming cloud um, in that sense throughout Scripture has been God's presence and glory uh, and leading the people. And now Jesus is saying, you will see the Son of Man coming that same way. Uh, Son of Man, that term that he has claimed for himself, one that is uh, absolutely divine. He is God, but he comes in his humanity. The Son of Man is the title that Jesus claims for himself. And the rabbis of the day wouldn't ever refer to um, Jesus that way because that would mean that he is uh, divine. But Jesus said, you will see... His own return, 
in the clouds in that way that you would recognize uh, God's glory among them. Daniel even uh, knew it. Uh, He spoke of that in uh, chapter 7. He said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, that same picture, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that will not be destroyed. Daniel speaks of the one, uh, the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of heaven as well. Jesus here uh, reminds his people uh, as much as uh, the disciples wanted that, that coming time to be when Jesus came uh, as a baby and grew up and stood before them at that point, that this would be the time that all things would be restored. Jesus is saying, there's a day coming yet. It has a very specific sequence before it happens. Uh, but when that day comes, you will see it. And he reminds them that he is coming again. But it's after this time of judgment. And uh, he, doesn't give us, he doesn't give us a great timeline here. Like I said, he just, he just whets our appetite for more knowledge of this. And then he speaks about um, a way that we should be able to interpret our day, uh, to be able to understand these things. And he gives, him, gives the disciples a very uh, tangible way of, of uh, recognizing what will happen. He said, look at the fig tree. This isn't the fig tree that he cursed earlier uh, that withered and died. This is a, this is a fig tree uh, just around the area. Most of the trees uh, in the region there are, are evergreens. The, the fig tree is one of the few deciduous trees there. So this is a very good example for him. We, we understand that here. We have lots of deciduous trees. Um, so we understand this, the same idea of what he's trying to say. Look at, look at the fig tree, he says. You, you see when the, the branches get tender and the buds come out and leaves begin. And he said, you, you know that the next thing is coming. You see those things. You, you know that Summer is near when all those things take place. You can look at that and see that. You would know that. Jesus said, in that same way that you would certainly know. Uh, and that's, that's the intent with which he says that. In the same way that you would know that summer is near, because you look at the trees and they're budding, they're getting green and they're putting out leaves and flowers in many cases, you would know, absolutely. You wouldn't think, oh my goodness, fall is here. We know without a doubt, and it's also rooted in God's Word, that as long as time remains, each of those seasons will come in order. And so we would know by the tree that summer is near. No doubt about it. Jesus says, in that same way, when you see these things happening, you will know uh, that word no is um, maybe tied more with the idea of uh, you, sh- you need to be able to recognize those things. It's something that uh, is almost uh, bordering on a command for us to know those things. 
It isn't something we just let go off uh, uh, and not observe it, not pay attention to it. Well, if it happens, it happens. I'll, I'll just be ready. Uh, the idea here is that we are to be watching and waiting and recognizing so that when it happens, we would know. He doesn't give us details. There is this question, though, um, of who's going to be alive to see this? Jesus, uh, in, in just a short little passage here, Jesus touches on um, the coming judgment, the coming return, his coming return, as well as who would be around. This is, this is uh, one of those things that uh, there are great discussions over. Uh, so much so that they get uh, rather dogmatic in, in our, our views about when will this happen? Who will be alive to see it? Jesus says, uh, truly I tell you, this generation, this generation will not pass away until all these things happen. So the question is, is it all done did all of this already happen? Because if we understand the generation to be the people in Jesus' day, then yes, it's all done. doesn't fit though, does it? Uh, because earlier it said, and this is in stark contrast again, earlier it said, if anyone says, here he is, here's the Christ, don't believe them. Twice he says, don't believe it when people tell you that Jesus is here. Why is that again? Because Jesus said, you will see this global event happening. Uh, when Jesus comes back, the sun will be darkened, the moon is darkened, the stars, giving us the sense of the whole universe is in this place of turmoil. And when Jesus comes back, every eye would see him. Uh, so you and I don't need somebody to tell us that he's over there someplace or here he is in this temple or he's over in this region over there. Jesus isn't coming back in that way where he hides himself out someplace. There was a time in his ministry where he had to avoid crowds. This is not going to be one of them. Jesus is going to come back in such a way that this will be a global event. And there won't be any need for somebody to tell you what's happening. There will be a lot of people confused about what's happening. But for you and I, uh, this will be the signal that Jesus is coming when all these things begin to take place. So who is going to be alive? If it's the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD, but um, Paul just before that time wrote to the Thessalonians about this same topic again and said, uh, watch out for these things. Well, that was still before 70 AD, so maybe it did happen. But consider the Apostle John, the, the beloved uh, disciple, who in the year 90 or so, 20 years after the destruction of the temple, uh, still gives us this picture directly from Jesus of how to prepare for the end and what will it look like so that he would encourage those that are yet to hear this would know what to look for. And, and Revelation paints this very vivid picture of the end and of Jesus' return uh, in, in very picturesque language, um, very fascinating. So John writes this long after for people that are yet to be. 
And so I would propose to you from what Scripture teaches through all of this and through many other things that uh, we'll come across yet in our reading through Scripture, uh, that this generation includes us yet. This generation, I, I think, is linked to what Daniel was talking about in those 70 weeks. There would be that one last final week that things are going to happen. And I believe that last final week uh, was inaugur- inaugurated uh, at the coming of Jesus the first time, and that week will finish when he comes back again the next time. And much of what Scripture uh, would support that. Now, there would be many that would disagree with me. And I would disagree with many theological people uh, far more learned than myself. Uh, and we would stand at odds against that. What we do know, brothers and sisters, is that He is coming. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, there is a fulfillment that is yet to happen of the end time judgment and the ultimate coming back of Jesus to usher in His kingdom. That kingdom, as Daniel says, Uh, will be with great power and glory and it will not go away. What what do you and I uh, get from this today? How do you take something that when Jesus is talking about here still gives very little detail except for he he wraps it in the context of um, this will be uh, a very global event. Um, this would be, and, and that's what everything from the Old Testament would have led us to believe, uh, a judgment against uh, all nations. Uh, every nation will come under judgment. Even the people of Israel, if they have not turned their hearts back to God, there would be a judgment coming. Uh, those that stand with Jesus in that last day as faithful servants uh, wouldn't have to worry about this coming day. Matthew goes into uh, different details about uh, how to prepare for those days and giving us more parables of Jesus that are not recorded here in Mark about how do you prepare for the end? How do you, how do you uh, recognize and, and wait for that coming day? Because it's something you and I uh, need to be doing. Scripture calls us to that. And I think for in large part... Um, Maybe our denomination uh, and others similar to us, we kind of shy away from topics of end times because it seems to be too confusing. So maybe we just kind of wash our hands of it and just wait for the return uh, and trust that um, we'll be okay. Uh, Jesus doesn't give that impression here. Jesus doesn't say, well, just go on about your business and as long as you... Um, live in my name, you'll be okay. He, he goes much farther than that. He, he says, uh, watch for that day. He's very insistent on that. When, when they tell you to look here and there, don't believe them, but, but keep watching. He keeps telling us to be on our guard. I keep telling you these things beforehand, he says, so that you'll recognize them. Not so that you can just Um, say, well, that's an interesting topic way over my head, so I'm just going to leave that be. We are meant to watch for this day. This day, as um, Matthew would say, isn't going to come uh, like a thief in the night for you. It shouldn't take you by surprise. It's not meant to. A Christmas 
Christmas probably has never taken a child by surprise. Jimmy! It's Christmas Day! In the same way, Jesus' coming would never take his people by surprise. It's never meant to. There will be all kinds of signs. And when our world gets in this place of, of global crisis, global crisis, when world leaders begin to um, join forces together, and maybe in ways that you would have never expected one country to join with another, and not for the good of the people, but to grab more power and control, you should have your eyes open. It may not be today yet, but the world in which we live today should make us open our eyes and pay attention a little bit more carefully when people want to grab power that doesn't belong to them and conspire with other people so that they gain more control over you. When you look at the end of time, that's what's going to happen. Jesus will come in judgment against those that are oppressing all people, and especially God's people. In those Old Testament passages where his judgment comes, especially on those that he specifically names, they are all enemies of God's people. Egypt, Edom, Babylon. These are all those that stand specifically for those that are against God and his people. And they always have been. And God will come back uh, as he sends his son Jesus back into the world to finally bring judgment on the evil that exists in our world. But we ought to be watching. It's not meant to alarm us. We're not supposed to uh, get ourselves in such a tizzy that we don't know what to do anymore. But we would be prepared. We would have eyes to see those things. And we wouldn't be so oblivious to think that, um, well, certainly none of that stuff would actually ever happen. Uh, it will. Uh, when you get to the end of the book, um, what's happening in the world uh, as new kings come to power and they conspire together and more evil exists in our world, we ought to be watching for those things so that we are prepared for those days. And as it said uh, earlier, even, even times when um, persecution is so bad, there may be times where you need to escape that area where persecution is so bad. But to be watching and to be waiting. He is coming back. There is no question about that. Even those that would differ on uh, the timeline of these things, nobody uh, has any doubt that Jesus is coming back uh, when it comes to the Christian community. And he's coming for those that trust in him. Uh, the world in which we live is going to end as we know it. Um, and maybe you see some of those things uh, more and more in our world today. world as we know it isn't the same anymore. The world is going to end. It is, it is actually going to end in the fact that uh, it is going to be either burned up and destroyed or burned up and refined so that a new heaven and a new earth will be established here. This existence goes away. Uh, but the words of Jesus don't. His words don't ever go away. And he wants us to remember that again today, that I'm telling you these things beforehand so that you know. So, so when, when you get to that place where fear overtakes you in those end days, his book still addresses that. 
when you're, when you're uh, alone and scared and in turmoil and chaos and confusion in those days, remember He has told you about those days and you still have great hope in Him. When you see the world around you uh, hurting and struggling, wondering what's happening in this world as it gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, we don't have this idea that uh, life will finally get better and then Jesus will come. Uh, if that's the case, brothers and sisters, we've got a long way to go yet. Uh, just the opposite. According to what Scripture says, the world will continue to get darker and darker. And the world around us isn't going to reckon. For the thief that comes in the night to the one that's not prepared, it will take them by surprise. And so Jesus is giving us once again this, this message that should increase our urgency to make sure that those that aren't prepared for this day would be. Those that still need to figure out how to navigate through a world that will ultimately come under judgment and condemnation you and I have a message of hope and encouragement and life for them. It's a day that um, we don't want in the one sense of all the trials that would come. Um, but we know that in Jesus coming again, uh, our reward is sure and it is eternal and it is a glorious hope and future that we have. And it is a day that we should be waiting for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful that uh, even in your uh, few words yet, uh, you can instill in us uh, truth and hope and a future uh, and, a, and a call to be watchful. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that um, you would continue to grow our understanding of, of what the end will look like. Continue to take the words that you have uh, inspired to be written down and preserved for us today, that we could in, uh, dig into them this morning, uh, once again, uh, so that we may grow in our understanding, to take the Word of God and let it take deep root within us so that it springs uh, more fruit, more life from us and that it is a life that would be uh, winsome to those around us. So Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your eternal plan. One that uh, started before You even brought time and material into existence. Uh, before even all of that, You knew us. You had a plan for us. And so we marvel uh, not only in the eternal plan, but we marvel that you would even uh, offer uh, life and hope and peace to anybody, uh, let alone uh, having it available to everybody. So we pray, Father, that we would accept the gift that you have given us today. Uh, not only the gift of life and salvation, but the gift of your word and the message of your word, the gospel of your word, that we may take what you've given to us and, and use it wisely and spread it and let it take root in other places as well. So Father, multiply your words uh, in us and through us in this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.